We are so excited you've decided to listen to this week's sermon podcast. Hey, we release sermon podcasts weekly, so be sure to follow us and hit that notification bell so you can be notified when episodes are released. God bless and enjoy. I know some of us may still be waking up, some of us may not be morning people, but you know what we get to do? We get to come into the house of God and we get to worship, we get to be around His people. So let's start off like that this morning. Let's lift our hands, let's lift our voices, let's just welcome Him into this place. Lord, we thank You this morning for allowing us to be here. Lord, we thank You for the fact that we get to walk into Your presence. Lord, with all of our problems, with all of our heartbreak, with all of our things going on, Lord, we get to come in this morning and we get to worship you. Lord, you're the creator of everything. Lord, you made this world. Lord, you made me. And I just come this morning to thank you, Lord, to lift you up. Lord, to magnify you in this place because you and you alone are worthy of my praise. Lord, and I bring that to you this morning, the very onset of this service. Lord, the first thing we want to do is just to walk in and give ourselves to you and just say thank you, Lord, for all you've done. Lord, we thank you this morning for who you are. Lord, we praise you today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Real quick before we get started, I'm going to do something a little unorthodox this morning, I know, but indulge me just a second. Hopefully, I won't mind too much. But preaching this morning with a little bit of a heavy heart. Some of y'all may know, some of y'all may not. A friend of ours was here a couple weeks ago, um, Chase and Monica Crowder. I don't get emotional until I get up here, it's funny. <laughs> but if y'all haven't seen, some of y'all may know, lost their three-year-old yesterday morning. Very sudden, very something that they weren't expecting. I think the baby got sick on Monday or Tuesday, ended up going to ICU on Thursday, and then yesterday morning passed away. Had a chance to talk to Chase last night. Just heartbroken, you can imagine. I, I, I can't. I, that's what I told him. I said, I can't imagine what you're going through. But had a chance to talk to him this morning as well and go over some of the plans, some of the things that were going on. And as a friend, as a pastor, as someone who's spoken to his life, pretty much all of his life, you always want the words to say. You want something to tell him that will make it better. And the only thing I come up with this morning was, I can't come up with anything to tell you that's going to make it better. I said, but we'll do this. We may not, some of the people may not have met you. I said, I actually never met your youngest child. I said, but we'll pray for you. We serve a God who is the Prince of Peace. We serve a God who can be there when nobody else can, when can comfort when nobody else can. I told him we'd pray for him this morning also. Um, my parents' church, I told him we'd pray for them. Um, lost a gentlemen in their church about my dad's age just gets scary whatever they're about your parents age and this is it's sort of a double-edged sword because this is the uh chase's sister it's her father-in-law so they've got a lot of a lot of grief and i told them we'd pray for them first thing this morning i'm sure pastor will probably pray for them again in the 11 o'clock service but i told him we'd do this and i wanted to be a man of my word so let's lift him up you you may have never met him but we're all part of this body we're all part of one church and I believe right now we can lift them up. His name's Chase. Her name's Monica. They've got four other children, grandparents, family driving in from all over. Let's just lift them up as a church this morning. Lord, we come to you right now. Lord, I thank you for all that you've done. Lord, I thank you for the blessing that child was to them. Lord, I thank you this morning 
for allowing them to still be connected, still being in church. Lord, there's not a thing I can say to them to make them feel better. But Lord, we come to you right now, who is the Prince of Peace, who does stick closer than a brother. And Lord, we just ask right now that that healing come upon them. Lord, that that comfort sweep around them right now. Lord, we know that you can take care of it. Lord, that pain will never go away. But Lord, I know right now you can go into that situation and you can ease it. Lord, that question came, why did God do it? Lord, I don't know why you did it, but I know you had a plan and I know you had a purpose. And right now I'm asking you to go to my friends, Lord, and touch them and strengthen them. Give them peace and comfort through this whole ordeal. We're going to praise you for it. We're going to thank you for this family that makes it through all odds. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I believe he hears prayers like that. I really do. I believe that he hears prayers whenever we bring them to him like that. If you got your Bibles, I'm going to go a little bit different this morning. I've gotten used to preaching with my tablet, but sometimes it's good to, to go back to the old pencil and paper. You came, never came to our church in Forney. I can just about guarantee you this is what you saw because that's the way you used to always like doing it. Legal pad and a, and a, and a number two pencil. But we're going to talk this morning about something I'm excited about. I asked Pastor yesterday, I said, now, I may end up, I'm pretty good at teaching. I like teaching. Brother Hathcock, a lot of times, he'll say, I know I still got y'all standing, I'll hurry. Brother Hathcock, a lot of times, will say he's going to teach, and I just laugh. I'm like, yeah, I'll give you about 10 minutes of that, and you're going to get carried away because you're a preacher. I can a lot of times stay in the zone of teaching. This morning, I'm not going to promise that. I got permission yesterday. I said, hey, if I, if I get off to preaching, if you need to stop me, stop me. But that music will come on at some point. But until then, y'all just go with me. Go into the book of Isaiah, chapter 43. Going to read verses number 1 through 3. Probably a very familiar, familiar passage. Isaiah 43, starting in verse number 1. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and hath formed thee, O Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And though the rivers... And through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. We're going to talk just a little bit this morning about this simple thing. He still calls you by name. Sometimes we just need to hear that. He still calls you by name. One more time before we're seated, let's just lift up our voices. Lord, we thank you right now that you're in this place. Lord, I thank you for the comfort I'm feeling this morning. Lord, I ask right now, your word's already anointed. You gave this to us. This was, can't be separated from you. But Lord, I ask right now that you just anoint me. Lord, give me the word. Give me the 
the strength to speak these words you've given me. And Lord, let them touch somebody's heart this morning. Let us realize that you're still calling us. Lord, that you haven't given up on us. You haven't forgotten us. The world can't change who we are because you've called us by name and you've formed us. Lord, I thank you for it this morning. In Jesus' name. And let the church say amen. Amen. All right, you can be seated. You know, sometimes this is what people are excited about whenever you get that. You can be seated. It's like, come on, you're forgetting. You know, in this place this morning, we all have one thing for sure in common. I'm looking around and, <laughs> that's sort of funny, but I'm looking around and I can just about guarantee, I think I would know if someone didn't have this. But there's one thing we all have in common in this place this morning. You know what that is? We all have a name. Unless somebody, just unless I didn't know that, and if, if you don't have a name, please come to me after church. I would like to know that. I'd like to hear the story behind this. Because we all have a name. We all have something that our parents called us or something that we've been called for most of our lives that we go by now. That's your name. That's something that was given to you. It's all yours. We all have a name. Even if it's just initials. My wife's father, uh, grandfather, his name was A.R. Thomas. A dot R dot. His mother was going to call him Armistice but changed her mind. So his name was A.R., but he still had a name. He still had something that he was called by. I think most of you in this morning, if you don't have a name, raise your hand. All right, good. I wasn't too far off. But it helps identify you. If you're ever in a room and someone just starts calling out some weird thing, a lot of times you're not going to turn around. But if you call out your name, even if there's several of you in a room that has it, you're going to probably stop and turn around and see who's calling to you. That name helps identify you. That name helps let you know that someone's trying to get your attention. That name also will let you know who you're related to. Do you ever see a name on something and it happens to be your surname, happens to be your last name, and you're like, oh, look, I wonder if I'm related to them. My dad calls me all the time and said, hey, I was watching this show, and Emerson popped up. Do you know who they are? I'm like, nope, I have no idea. He's like, well, that's your cousin, twice many removed, and this, and they did this, this, and this. I'm like, that's great. But it does. It helps you know who that you're related to. It helps you to be identified. It helps other people get your attention. But can I tell you something this morning? Can I just make an admission? And some of you may know this, some of you may not. How many of you are good at remembering names? How many of them, the first time you meet somebody, you can remember that name? Anybody in here like that? I see a couple. I am horrible with names. Like, worse than most. I was, when I put this in my notes, I was thinking, somebody's going to come to me after church today. And they're going to be like, hey, what's my name, by the way? And I'm going to slap you on the back and say, I love you, brother, love you, sister. And I'm going to act like somebody else is calling me. Because I am horrible with names. I'm really bad. If... There are people that work for me. I manage a vet's office. We have about 13, 14 employees. That's not many. I don't know some of them's names. I can tell you their work ethic. I can tell you whether or not they show up for work on time. I can tell you all these different things about them. But a lot of them, when I've tried to get down, like, okay, that's, yeah, you know, one of the twins. But it's hard for me to remember names. Matter of fact, 
There's a lot of people in this place, if, Shira's, if I'm trying to tell Shira about you, if I'm trying to tell something about you, you're going to get a descriptive nickname. Sister Laura's turning red because I had one for her for a long time. First time I heard her sing, she was wearing a, what do you call that pattern? Chevron. She was wearing a Chevron shirt. I had no idea what that was. For the first three, four months we were back, I called her Sister Swiggly shirt. That's how I described her because I couldn't remember her name. I am horrible with names. A lot of you are like that. You don't want to admit it. I'm just up here admitting it. We're horrible. Sometimes I'm just horrible with names. I have trouble with that. And a lot of times you're going to get a descriptive thing. It's easier for that sometimes for us to remember that. If someone comes in in a wheelchair, you know the guy that was in the wheelchair. It's just easier for us to remember things like that. But everybody still has a name whether you know it or not. I can remember growing up and everybody had nicknames. You ever have somebody that's got a nickname and they show up and you just and someone calls them by their actual name and you had no idea? I can remember in Cachada, we had a gentleman that I grew up with. I didn't grow up in church. And this was one of my grandfather's friends who definitely did not grow up in church. And I can remember him showing up to our church here in Cachada and the first time he came in and someone called him by his name. I'm like, who is that? Who are you talking about? You've been knowing him since you were born. He was over at your papa's house all the time. What do you mean? I'm like, who are you talking about? They said, Brother Elton, you know right there. I'm like, that's little man. That's not Elton. What are you talking about? His name forever was little man. That's the only thing I knew him by. He actually was not that short. He was about average height. He was a big guy. You'd think he'd be recognizable because he was a logger and he only had two fingers on one hand. You think that's somehow the nickname that would pop up, but they always called him Little Man. My entire life, he was called Little Man. So when someone said, you know, Brother Elton Parcher, I'm like, I have no idea who you're talking about. Because I didn't know what his name was. It surprised me. We were at my parents' church about three or four years ago, and our next-door neighbor got into church after many years. There was another one that if you would have met them, you would have never thought that they would have made it back to church. But they are. They're serving every Sunday. And we walked in, and... And they were like, can you believe that Sister Mary Jordan's in church? I'm like, I can't believe it. That's great. Who is she? And I really had no idea. And she was like, behave, behave. I'm like, who are you talking about? You talk to If people that know me come up to me, I'm like, okay, you're going to have to be more descriptive. Who are you talking about? You know, that lady right there. You, that was your next door neighbor. You've been knowing her all your life. I'm like, yeah, that's Miss Pee Wee. I didn't know what her actual name was. I really didn't know what her name was. Everybody called her Pee Wee. I had a friend in high school that I didn't, until the year I graduated, I didn't know what his actual name was. Because even the teachers called him by it. He was Pookie. He had always been Pookie. He will always be Pookie. His actual name was Barry White. He did not have the voice. But it's one of those things you just don't understand sometimes how important names are. And we start assigning them to things. And we start giving people nicknames and we start giving them these descriptive names so that we can remember them. Because a lot of times in our mind it's easier to do. You go through and read the Bible, and I noticed this a couple weeks ago, that whenever you start looking at miracles, when you start looking at things in the Bible, do you notice that there are very, very few times in the Bible whenever Jesus is, or whenever they're recording one of Jesus' miracles, whenever miracles happens, that an actual name is assigned to it? You don't think about that very often, but most of the time, they'll, they'll say, and you read the captions on top of your Bible if you're reading it, and Jesus healed a blind man, Jesus cleansed a leper, 
they went in and there were two blind men in the city and they were healed. It never assigns their name to it. And I got to thinking, Lord, why in the world didn't you put the names on it? That's something that's pretty exciting. You think that, man, they were healed, let's put a name on it. I, I probably would even try to find it and put a name on it, even as bad as with names as I am. But a lot of times they didn't have names put on them. You know why that was? I got to praying and thinking about this. There were lots of miracles. Someone is writing this down from memory. I don't they probably most of the time they may have went and got the name and just didn't remember it. I don't know. This word is inspired by God. You can't separate it from God, by, from God, but it was still written by humans. And a lot of times they may have not have got the name because the fact that God was doing the miracles is what really stuck out to them. And I started thinking about that, and that really started going over and over in my head about how these miracles were happening, but yet their names weren't recorded. You even go in and look at stories like like Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10 and verse 46. You're like, oh, here's a name that is attached to a miracle. Did I give you that one, Mark 10 and 46? Read it off here. And they came to Jericho, and he went out of Jericho with his disciples, and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, Set by the highway side begging. Do you know what Bartimaeus means? You ever looked it up? You know what it means? Son of Timaeus. Basically, it reads twice. They didn't even call him by his name at that point. They said, oh, that's, that's Timaeus' son. We've all been there before. I know used to when I got stopped in, in Red River Parish, that was always what I would hear next. Oh, you're Ricky's son. I'm like, if it gets me out of a ticket, I'm Ricky's son. You're correct. But it's one of those things that even with these were going on, his name didn't get recorded. They just were calling him by this thing that he had been known for for years. <laughs> they called him Blind Bartimaeus. We have this tendency to add to scriptures anytime we have trouble remembering a name or anytime we're trying to think of somebody, anytime we're trying to do something, we add these little, these little adjectives to it. Blind Bartimaeus, Doubting Thomas. We start adding all these different things to their names. We start adding all these different things of how to remember them. And for some reason, a lot of times, it's a negative attribute or a negative thing that we, can, we latch on to and we remember. Even though we have a God who has called us by name, a God that has formed us, we'll let those names start to be changed. We'll let those names start to be taken and start to be corroded. Blind Bartimaeus, Doubting Thomas. We, didn't, we never think about someone who was healed of blindness, or we do afterwards, but that's not the way that he's remembered. He's still remembered as being blind. Thomas is still remembered as being doubting, even though he went out and did great things. Because after that name starts being broken down, the enemy will try to change it. The enemy will try to get you to forget the name that God has called you by. He'll try to get you to forget what God has called you to be. He's been doing this for years. For so many, so many times, he'll try to make you forget. He'll try to get you to start forgetting what he called you to do and what, what you've done. The enemy will use every advantage he can to try to break you down. That's his mission. That's what he came to this, this world after he was struck down. That's what he tried to do to this creation. He wants to break you down. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to make sure that you're not going to make it to heaven. He said, if he can't ascend to the throne of God, he wants to make sure the thing that God loves is not going to be able to make it. 
He said, and one thing I can do is I can start changing their names. I can start making their names different. That name that God called them by, that name that God gave them, I can take that and I can start corrupting it and I can start breaking it down. And before long, they won't even remember who they are. He's been trying to do this for years. He's been trying to do this exact same thing for so long. You go to the book of Daniel, chapter number 1. We know these boys very well. The, three, uh, the four Hebrew boys, three Hebrew boys we always call it because of the fiery furnace. But here we're looking at four Hebrew boys that were brought into Babylonian captivity. And we see them here in Daniel chapter 1. And we see what the enemy tries to do. We see what the devil is trying to do to them. It says, now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. That was the name they were given. If you go back and research those names, you go back and look up those names, every one of them, their names pointed back to God. Every one of them had a connotation of something about God in their names. The one true God. The God of Israel. They knew who they were. They were given names showing how special they were. But the enemy wasn't, wasn't content with that. He said, if I can take their names and I can change their names, then I can break them. If I can take those names, I can cause them to forget who they are. So he calls one of the chief eunuchs and he says, I want you to give them all new names. You strip that name that they call their God by. You strip that name that they were given and you give them new names. You give them new identities. You give them something new to be called by. He says, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. For he gave unto Daniel the name of Belshazzar, and to Hananiah, Shadrach, and to Meshael, to Meshach, and Azariah, Abednego. If you go back and look at those names, every one of those point back to a pagan god. Every one of them either show ownership or loyalty to a pagan god. He took those names that they had been given that were honoring God. Names that showed them what their heritage words. Names that they were called by that gave them an, an internal inheritance. He said, if I can change those names and make them something different, then they'll forget who they are. And unfortunately, it worked with some of them. Because there were a lot of Hebrew boys that were brought in. I don't know how many of them didn't fall down and didn't start worshiping in, in, in worshiping there. But we know of four that didn't. We know of four of them that the plan that the enemy had for them whenever he changed their name didn't work. You know, we serve a devil. And we call the devil this smart serpent all the time. He finds one or two good things that works every once in a while, and he just sticks with them. You know why? Because they work. And one thing he does, that same thing he did to those Hebrew boys. He said, I'm going to take those names that lead you back to God, and I'm going to take them, and I'm going to change them. I'm going to take them, and I'm going to turn them into something else. And we start to come into church and we come in and we get so excited, we're filled with the Spirit. He's called us. He may give us a ministry. And then all of a sudden, something happens. And the enemy sees a little opportunity. And he says, all right, I got them now. I'm going to start to change their name. Because if I can change their name, I can change who they are. If I can change what God's called them to be, then I can break them. I can knock them down. And he starts to work on us. And he starts taking that name that the one true living God called us by. And I'm not even talking about necessarily the name that your parents gave you. 
It's a great name. I'm sure you love it. I'm not sure. I'm not even talking about your favorite nickname. I'm talking about that name that was called over you when you were formed in your mother's stomach. Whenever you were in your mother's womb, the Lord said, I saw you and I formed you and I called you by name. The Lord knows what your name is. He knows it without a shadow of a doubt. He placed something in your life. He said, I'll place my name and a calling in each and every person in this place. Do you believe that? You may not have been called to sing in the choir. You may not have been called to preach in a pulpit. You may not have been called to be in the sound booth. Each and every one of us here were called for a purpose. The Lord, He came in and He created us for a reason. And He called us. He said, hey, I'm giving you a name. And this name gives you something special. It gives you authority. It gives you power. He said, because this is your purpose. And the enemy sees that and he hates it. And he goes back to those old tricks. He said, if I can change their name, I can break who they are. And too many times, unfortunately, that works over and over and over again. He comes in and he starts, whenever you come into church, we won't even talk about before church because a lot of times our, our mindset of what God has called us starts in church. So we'll start there. But you come into church, you're on fire, you're doing so good, and then something happens. And all of a sudden, you've been wearing that name proudly that God's called you. And you know that you're supposed to be in church and you're reading your Bible. You're fasting. You're showing up for prayer meetings. You're so excited. You know that God knows you by name. Such a wonderful feeling that He knows you by name. But something happens. Maybe you fall into sin. Maybe something transpires that causes you to fall down just a little bit. And all of a sudden, while you're sitting there, the enemy will come up to you and he'll pat you on the back. And as he's patting you on the back, he just slaps a new label on you. And all of a sudden, he says, all right, I'm going to start, I'm gonna start using that. I'm going to change that to be their name. We've seen it over and over again. How many times have you seen it? How many times have you felt it? You've done something. Maybe it wasn't even a sin. Maybe it wasn't even something like that, but it was something that happened in your life. And you'd been so excited and so on fire for God, but something happened. And you walk in those back doors and all of a sudden you feel that label that the enemy placed on you. I'll give you an example. We had a, a been a little over a year ago now, I had a, a, a business that I was running. Had a, I was doing insurance, uh, doing life insurance, doing uh, financial products and Decided to jump out there a little too quickly. You ever started a business and you jump out too quickly? Started to jump out there too quickly. Decided I needed an office. Decided I needed all this stuff. And thought I counted the overhead correctly. And how talented I was at it. Did not. And before you know it, I'm doing well, doing okay. But some things are starting to slide and some things are happening. And pray about it and make the decision. The best thing to do is to close the business down and... Go do something else. I learned that I'm not, I don't do too well on commission. I don't like commission. For those of you who work on commission, God bless you. It's not for me. So I decided to shut down my business, and I had, learned, I had met a lot of people there in town. I had a prominent office. I had my name up above the door. I had a big sign. And I can remember after I closed that down, even though I prayed about it, even though God told me it was the right thing to do, I can remember coming in and being so upset and so worried and feeling like a failure, feeling like I'd let everybody down, feeling like everything that I'd done was a waste of time. And I can remember the enemy getting on me and he slapped that, oh, you're just a failure. 
You'll never amount to anything. You'll never do anything. And I remember that getting all over me. And I can remember the depression setting in and being so broken. Had I done anything wrong? No. At the time, I felt like I was doing right. I may have done something wrong. The Lord hadn't showed me yet. But whenever that happened, I was broken. And I can remember the enemy starting to change my name from being someone who was happy, who was someone who loved to being broken down and beaten. And I remember when that name started shifting. It took a long time to get out of that. But that's what the enemy does. He'll find something you've done, and he'll slap that label on you. And he'll tell you, that's your name now. That's who you are. That's your identity. You're not getting over it. You walk into church, and you think, and even if they're not, you think everybody's looking at you, turn around, like, "Uh uh-huh, there's that cheater. Because the devil has allowed you to believe that that's now your name, that that's now your identity, that's all you'll ever be. He's like, oh, look, there's that failure. There's that adulterer. There's that one that was doing you know what. And all of a sudden, we start letting the enemy say that that's our name. And all of a sudden, we start thinking that's who we are. And you see more people walk out of the church for that very reason than almost anything else. Because they let the enemy of their soul start dictating who they are. They let one little failure, one little thing happen... And they decide to get up and walk out. You walk in and you start to you try to go to an altar. You try to lift up your hands. And as soon as you do, all of a sudden you hear, you really going to lift up your hands? You really going to work? You know if you draw attention to yourself, somebody's going to see you. And they're going to catch you after church. And they're going to be like, I'm glad you were worshiping. After all you've been through when you did this, this, and this, and this, I'm glad to see you at an altar. Don't act like you hadn't done it. Sorry, Pastor. But so many times we walk in and we start getting so worried because we feel like that that's the way that we're labeled now. And that's the best we can ever be is to get back under the radar and get to a point and say, okay, if I can get you right here, nobody's going to see me. The enemy may leave me alone because I am a failure. I've done things in my life that I shouldn't have done. Things have happened and I've got these labels on me now. And this is all I'm going to ever be able to do. And we come in and we let the enemy let us believe that. He takes that name. He takes that calling that we once had. And he starts to break it down. And he starts to take it away from us. And we come in with such high hopes when we first start. And we believe we can do anything. You remember what it was like when you first got the Holy Ghost? Side note, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, it's a great morning for it. If you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, it's a great morning for it. But you get so excited, you come in, man, you think you can take on anything. Pastor comes up and said, hey, we need outreach people, man. You're like, I'm there. Who do I need to go talk to? We got a prayer meeting. Well, come on. Everybody shows up because they're excited, and that's what it's about. And you come into church, and you get so excited. But then the first thing that happened, that old devil comes in. He starts saying, ah, you thought you were a child of God. You thought this was your name. But all you are is a loser. All you are is a cheat. All you are is a failure. All you are is a hypocrite. You have no right to show up at a prayer meeting, and you know what happens? You start finding excuses why you don't show up for a prayer meeting. You start to pull out that Bible, and condemnation hits you, which is not from God. And you're like, well, I'm not going to look at this, because whenever my name was right, I could read this, but now I've got these labels on me, and I better not read that. And you put your Bible down. Because the enemy has convinced you that that's all you'll ever be. Your enemy has convinced you that that's now your name. 
He acts like he took you to the lawyer and did a legal name swap. And now you're not known as a child of God. You're just known as a loser. You're just known as a failure. You're just known as someone who will never be able to get back up and get into the presence of God. That's what his goal is. That's what he wants to do. That's what he's trying to do every moment of every hour. He's trying to break you down. And unfortunately, sometimes he'll be able to do it. Because he convinces you that your name is something other than it is. Names are important. But the devil comes in and he sees you and calls you a loser, calls you a failure, attacks your character. And before long you start thinking like that. Or he does something else. This is just as dangerous. I don't think we talk about this or I don't talk about this enough very often. He'll come in and he may change your name a little differently. He'll come in and say, man, you're doing so well. You're successful. You don't need God no more. Oh, the house is paid for. You don't need God anymore. Things are going on in your life that are great. You probably don't need to go to church. Apparently, you already put your time in. We're just going to name you successful. We're just going to name you self-made. We're just going to name you. You've done everything you needed to do. And that same spirit starts to come in. And before you know it, you're not going to church. Because after all, I got more important things to do. I got to make some more money. I got to get another few hours of fishing in. Hunting season's coming up. And all of a sudden, that name that you once had starts changing. And all of a sudden, those things that where God had called you and God had called you to do, now you're too important for now you're too big for it. Now you're like, well, I'm better than that. Yeah, you can always tell when a Christian... Oh, Pastor, please, if I get too far, just throw something at me. You can always tell whenever a Christian starts skipping the prayer room, he starts hearing those voices about his name changing. You can always tell whenever someone... And, and I'm one, so I'll talk about it. And usually, usually it's people that are, that are preachers. They'll come in... And they start hearing the devil speaking to their, into their ear and saying, oh, you're successful. Oh, you're great. And all of a sudden, pastor comes in and says, hey, we need somebody to clean the toilets. And you look at him and say, do you know who I am? Do you remember me preaching last week? And you're asking me to do that? Because we get that same spirit and all of a sudden we think we're bigger than we are. And all of a sudden we think our name is exalted above what it should be. When the truth is, God called you by name. God called you by a very specific calling and a purpose. And he said, it doesn't matter if the devil comes in and says you're rotten and you're horrible and you've done all these things. The truth is, if you've done all those things, that's what the altar's for. Find you an altar, repent, and then get up and move on. If the devil has got you to a point to where you're so puffed up and convinced that you're above everybody, you know what you need to do? Find you an altar. Repent. Get up and walk off and do right. Because the Lord called you by name. Our reading in Isaiah, he said that very simply, he said, but now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and has that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by name, thou art mine. We need to understand something on this Sunday morning. We need to understand that the Lord himself created each and every one of us. None of, nobody in this place was an accident. Nobody in this place was
was not supposed to be here this morning. That's one of the biggest lies that the devil comes in and he tries to put those little tags on you. Well, you're just here out of an accident. No, you're not. The Lord formed you for a purpose. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how old you are. Whenever he called you by name and he formed you, he gave you a purpose. He has a plan for your life, and he's just waiting to see it fulfilled. Sometimes we don't realize that, and that's something I always want to try to tell everybody. I don't care if you've been in the church for a month, a day, or 40 years. He still has a plan for your life. He still has something that he created you to do. It's something about finding your name and finding that purpose and finding out exactly what God has for you. It'll be the most satisfied you will ever be whenever you find out what God called you to be. Whenever you find out what God has chosen you for. He's already created you for it. He's already made you for it. He's just waiting for us to come in and accept it. Again, it may not be in the choir. It may not be in the pulpit. But there are people in this world that you and you alone are going to be able to reach. You were created to reach them. That's what we were put here for, was to go out and spread this gospel, to go out and help build this kingdom for His sake. He said, I called you and I formed you for that reason. Now, I don't care what the devil's tried to take your name. I don't care how he's tried to break you. I don't care what he's whispered in your ear at 3 o'clock on a, on a Sunday morning. I don't care about any of that. Because his word said that he's still calling you. His word said that he still wants you. He said he still wants you to help fulfill his plan. Yeah, you've messed up. Yeah, you're broken. Yeah, you've fallen short. We all have. Can I tell you what to do this morning? Get over it. Find an altar. Because He called you for a purpose. He called you by a name that is uniquely yours. He created you to help build this kingdom. Let that sink in. He didn't just create you to come and sit on a pew. Thank God you're on a pew this morning. But He created you for something so amazing. Think about this. Right before that it says, I redeemed you. Brother Hathcock, I'll give him all the credit because I heard him preach this. Actually, I think I heard Bishop preach it one time, a long time ago as well. But he said when he redeemed you, he didn't buy you with a coupon. He didn't buy you on sale. He paid full price for you. You know why he did that? Because he saw the value in you. Because he created you. And he knew what that purpose he created you was for. And he said, I'm willing to give everything I've got to make sure you're able to reach your purpose. And what we have to do this morning is realize that whatever the enemy's come in, whatever you've messed up, whatever's happened, we can't change that. The only thing that can change it is an altar. The only thing that can change it is if you've not been baptized in Jesus' name, is going down in that water and taking on His name. Because He's called us by name. Let's stand this morning. He's called us by name. Some of you this morning... The enemy's lied to you, and he'll tell you you'll never amount to anything. He's lied to you and says you won't be worth anything going forward. He said your marriage is falling apart, your finances are breaking down, your kids have left the church. He said that's what you're going to be known for. That is a lie straight from hell. He said I have called you by name. so amazing that he called us by name. Do you know there's a day coming if we stay the course?
there's a day coming where he's going to give us a new name. And when he gives you that name, only you and Jesus are going to know it. And that name is going to be the fulfillment of all that promise he had for you. It's going to be all that that he called you to do wrapped up in that one name. And he says only you and he are going to know about it. Revelation chapter 2 and verse number 17. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to him to eat of hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth. He formed you. He called you. He gave you a name. He said, then when you get to heaven, something amazing is going to happen. He's going to give you that white stone, and that stone is going to show you everything he had promised for you. It's going to show you everything that he had set up for you. And then we get to spend eternity with that new name and that new purpose, worshiping him forever. It doesn't matter what the world says. He called you by name. It doesn't matter what your past says. He's still calling you by name. It doesn't matter what happened 20 or 30 years ago. He's still calling you by name this morning. And there's nothing that can change that. The only thing that can keep it from happening, or the only thing that can, that can stifle it, is whenever he calls you, you don't listen. And all you hear is loser. All you hear is hypocrite. Or all you hear is successful, and you don't need God. But he's still calling you this morning. He's calling you by name, and he's saying, I haven't given up on you. I hadn't forgotten you. I'm not done with you yet. You've got a purpose. And I've created you to fulfill that purpose. Let's bow our heads one more time. Lord, I thank you this morning for your grace. Lord, I thank you for the fact that you haven't given up on us. Lord, I thank you that you allow us to come into this place today. Lord, even with our failures. Lord, even with our, our things that just keep coming up over and over again. Lord, you still let us walk into your presence. Lord, I thank you for the fact this morning that you gave your life for me. That you didn't try to wait and just pay part of it, but you gave every drop of blood for me. Lord, I thank you for that this morning. Lord, if there be anybody in this place today that's been struggling, that thinks they're less than somebody else, if the enemy has tried to change your name and make them think that they're not who you, who you really called, that maybe you made a mistake, Lord, I just ask right now that you wrap your arms of love around them and let them realize that you're still calling them by name, that you're still calling them to a great and a marvelous purpose. In Jesus' name. Let's give them a big amen before we leave. There you go. Hey, real quick, before, before y'all go, don't forget, I'm sure they'll announce it again in a minute. You can go ahead. Our... Uh, Prayer meetings every night except for Sunday night and Wednesday night. Don't forget about those. Last night was great. Don't forget about Wednesday night before church prayer meeting. It's been wonderful. I promise you, if we'll pray and we'll fast, God will do